Syracuse almost completed the comeback, but they did not. Fell to pit inside the JMA Dome, 84-82. Judah Mintz, not quite Tyler Ennis, uh, but maybe one day. Uh, we'll talk about the loss and everything that comes with it on Locked On Syracuse. Starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is your Thursday episode of Locked On Syracuse. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I apologize. I sound a little bit stuffed up today. It's that kind of year. I'm working through it, as I'm sure a lot of you are as well. Owen, how's your nose holding up? You clogged? I'm okay-ish. You sound good. I've had days where it's been bad, but right now I'm feeling all right. Another, you know, we'll continue on the apology train. Sorry for the delayed episode release. Had some complications last night. So we're here. We're still back. We are here. It's a good morning. Signing day. Uh, So maybe we'll talk about that for tomorrow because we're going to record two episodes today. So we'll keep everyone on their toes. Uh, But a lot going on. Sorry for the delay, but still a ton to talk about. Absolutely. Um Let's talk about this loss that Syracuse took to Pitt. Uh, I had a lot to say about it last night. And, you know, it's almost good that I get to, I, I got to have, uh, you know, the night to think about it so I could really review my thoughts for the morning. Now, when I was watching this game, the first half especially was, you know, very, I mean, they were just dropping threes, Nellie Cummings especially. Uh, and and Jorge Diaz Graham were just dropping threes. Actually, you only had one, not one. Um, but still, they were just dropping threes. Uh, and I was just, I was remembering back uh, to my days playing in the Greenwich Basketball Association uh, as a middle school student. Now, there was this one day we were playing. Uh, we had a game. I can't remember who we were playing, but there was this kid on the other team, Daniel. It was the day of his bar mitzvah, okay? Kid had turned 13. Uh, he was becoming a man, okay? Day of his bar mitzvah. Uh, I was guarding him. And if you know anything about me, if you've been listening uh, to my voice since my WAER days, you might know that I was known for having a, I could put up a good defensive possession because, I mean, I wasn't great on the court, but I could give you a good couple of defensive possessions. Uh, and, you know, that's the only thing I had against Daniel. And I'll tell you what, that kid splashed 13 threes in my face that day. It was anything Stop he it. sent out, anything he put up went down. It was and, and after the game, I I like was I saw him in the parking lot and he was like, sorry, man, my bar mitzvah, I guess. Like it's just like the magic hand I had. And I was like, I was pushing him down. I was fouling him. I was in his face. Didn't matter. Anything he put up, it went down. And that's how I felt. About Pitt, it didn't matter if Syracuse closed out. It didn't matter if their if their technique was poor. Everything the Panthers put up in the first half from outside the three-point arc went down. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was guarding Daniel again. Uh, so anyway, I just had to get that out. I've been thinking about that since like the first half. I wanted to say that. So there's that. 
Um, 100% though. I mean, really. And it was, yes, there's a lot to be attributed to the defense in terms of some of those looks. Uh, And it's slow rotations and leaving guys open uh, and being out of position sometimes. And, you know, that's a result of transitions, rotations, communication, things like that, knowing the zone, knowing what to do, a little bit of instinct as well. Uh, A lot of them, some of them were just clean, wide open looks. But the more I watched, there was some frustration where, you know, you're playing decent defensive possessions and Pitt's still going to splash a three in your face. So it was one of those days where, you know, and you said in the first half, they only shot 4% worse in the second half from three. I think they finished uh, the game with what was the over 40% from three as a team. Uh, they, they hit their threes and late in the game, those numbers dipped a little bit, but they, they were hitting shots and, you know, a number of them were because of defensive issues, but a number of them as well were, were strictly just because Pitt was hitting threes and they were shooting the ball really well. Uh, and it's something that happens against zones that could be, you know, a trigger sentence for some people. Uh, but Nelly Cummings. though. Back-to-back years, uh, torches Syracuse in the Dome uh, with different teams. Yeah, Nelly, he's just a Syracuse killer. Um, and like you said, did it last year when he was a part of Colgate. This year, Pitt. I mean, he's just – he was elite. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other things I want to talk about in this game too. Uh, why can Syracuse never – why do I never feel confident on an inbounds play? Ever. I've never felt confident on an inbounds play. They were terrible last night. They lost the ball uh, in the most yeah, important I mean, play of the game. It, it was just like, why does it never work? It, it reminded me of the Buffalo game when from 2020-2021, uh, the, the Allen Griffin block game that they ended up winning. But if you remember, there was an awful inbounds play where they threw the ball into Marak. He like dribbled it off his foot and gave it away. They can never, if we ever get a Syracuse basketball alum on this podcast, my first question, maybe not my first, but one of my questions will be, what is Bayheim like on the sideline when you're about to have the biggest inbound of the game? Because I'm so curious. This guy's a Hall of want- Famer. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I don't feel confident that he's going to drop a good inbounds play. So I want to, let me talk this one through. So I, you know, for those of you that know me, I work in Liverpool as a teacher and I, I work our basketball games. Uh, and last night I was working a JV boys basketball game. Preston Shumpert is the head coach, former Syracuse stud, still top five all time in terms of, I believe three pointers made and down by three with six seconds left on the clock sideline inbound in the offensive half, I will say. Shumper draws up a beautiful play with an inbound down screen to a wide open guard, splashes a three for the tie. They end up winning in double overtime. I leave that game to attend Syracuse basketball game against Pitt last night, in which Jim Beheim, albeit better basketball mind than most, better basketball mind than me. I'm never here to con- you know contest that. But I watched the play drawn up out of a timeout with 16 seconds left, which was to get Jesse the ball, which you could argue was an issue in and of itself. But Judah goes dribble, 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 dribble. 
There is no movement. I got home last night and I rewatched the play probably seven or eight times. Nobody moves. The four players, not named Judah Mintz, and I believe Quadir Copeland was running up the ball or up off the inbound. So Quadir is running side by side. No one moved outside of those two guys. Jesse is posting up. Judah doesn't see the double team. I get that one almost, right? It was a good defensive play by Pitt, honestly, but you can't pick that dribble up. Uh, and it, it corners him, and that's that's play number one. Out of a timeout, down by one, where you need a two, right? Judah loves that mid-range pull-up. He hit it probably three or four times in this game. I would have loved it if he pulled that up, uh, took that shot, right? You're, you're taking the ball out of you know your guards who have been playing outstanding, and feeding Jesse inside, albeit against, you know, Pitt's number two big uh, playing down low at that point. Yeah. Uh, in Diaz, or was it Diaz Graham down there at that point? Um, I don't know. I think it was, uh, but I could be 100% wrong. Whoever it is, it was the second big uh, because of the foul out. So I get that maybe that's the case, but your guards are what propelled you back into that game. And Joe... As much as you want to say, stupid shot, stupid shot, stupid shot, they're going in. And a guy like Joe Girard, who can shoot the lights out when he's hot, is in this game. And Judah has been scoring really well, even though it wasn't the most efficient. You force to Jesse, and it leads to a turnover. Then, very fortunate, you get a missed free throw on the other end with six seconds left. Still a two-point game. Capels calls timeout. You get to draw up a play second time. You get your redemption shot. First of all, I want to shout out Stefan Diggs because during those free throws for Pitt with six seconds left, he was on his feet screaming like nobody else in the building was doing. It was incredible to watch. Uh, shout out Josh Allen. More importantly, shout out Gabe Davis. Okay, Gabe Davis, my dog. <laughs> I went to Syracuse, or I went to the Bills uh, Steelers game. I housed Gabe Davis first touchdown, and he scored the first touchdown. He's got all my praise. Um, But you come out of this timeout, and once again, inbound to Judah. And if you watch the play again, nobody moves. Nobody moves. Well, so I think that there's an issue with Judah in that he's so young, and he has a lot to learn, and we all know that. But he really thinks that he has to win the game every time the ball is in his hands. And and in this situation, it was – it was your that was his you know potential Tyler Ennis uh, moment and maybe his Tyus Battle drops one on G Town moment, but it, it just wasn't you know I never felt like Judah was going to go hit that shot because he can't hit threes, um, but he 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 definitely way too many times thinks that he has to win the game all by himself. Let's take a quick break. Uh, and then we will keep this conversation going. But this one brought to you by Bet Online. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college football season to basketball and the World Cup. They got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, they got those too. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay. Um, yeah, Judah, I mean, he just thinks he's got to do it all by himself. And that's a huge issue because he doesn't, one. Two, he just 
while, like like you said, he had some really nice moves, he made a beautiful couple mid-range shots in that game that I didn't think he was going to, and then he just splashed, and I was really impressed. But he did. He had 24 points on 7 to 17 shooting. I mean, that's not very good. Um, so th- there's definitely merit to that. Now, now in the term of Gerard, a lot of people are probably going to want to dog Gerard after this game, but I won't. Um, I was definitely one of the however many that was screaming, Joe, don't shoot that. <laughs> twice two shots in a row when he hit the one uh i don't remember where he hit the first one but the, the second one especially the step back that was so deep straight away I said joe what are you doing and then he cashed it uh that was awesome but i the thing i immediately thought was i am so glad that he had the confidence to take that shot i mean he re like that is really important and I'm really glad Joe had that confidence because it's not easy to after everybody's been dogging you for weeks about how bad you've been. And, oh, by the way, a ballsy shot by him because if he misses that, oh, my goodness, can you imagine the backlash if he missed that shot? It was like five seconds into the shot clock. He took that a would be step the only back conversation. three. I could not believe he took that shot. Of course he can. That would have been the only conversation today Yeah, if he took um, that shot and missed. So he hits that shot. Uh, Maybe you should have tried to get it to Joe during uh, that last play. But at the same time, you know, they were doubling him a a lot of the end of the game because he is the best shooter on the floor. Um, But. Do you hear music? Oh, it's my alarm. Sorry. I was so shook there for a second. (laughs) I was like, what is that? Sorry about that, but no worries. Yeah, Joe, I mean, he deserves some credit. And and it was also like a very, it was incredibly, like it was a big example of how this team is going to go as far as Joe Girard takes it. If Joe scores 25, they win this game. If Joe scores 30, they're going to win every, any given night. If he has a performance like this, where he's, you know, a little bit shaky to begin, but then picks it up, they're going to have a chance. And that's what you saw. Um, one more note on Jesse is honestly, like, I hate to say it, but we really need to see something better from him. I mean, he only took eight shots. He had nine rebounds, which was good. Six blocks. He was great on the defensive end, but, and he fouled out. But in terms of the offense, he really has to be there. Uh, and he gets doubled and whatnot. So I'm not going to totally rag on him, but I mean, this is his senior season. Jesse should be able to, especially if this kid thinks he's an NBA prospect, which I think he can be, he needs to be able to put up more than eight points against the Pitt Panthers. I want to talk uh, a little about Gerard, uh, and you you hit on it with, with what you said. It, it's a gutsy shot to take, um, knowing the already lingering feud between the Syracuse fan base and Joe Gerard, who, quite frankly, I don't imagine cares. Um, but the Syracuse fan base is very vocal about Joe Girard. And I want to say this because I, I think there is this huge disconnect between the mental, how bad he's playing and the reality. Joe Girard is a necessity for this team to win proven once again in this basketball game that they are down until he starts to hit his shots. This team has no three point presence outside of Gerard. 
And I do want to give him some credit as everyone's talking about this horrendous, horrendous season he's having. He's terrible. He can't shoot. He's had this terrible stretch. He doesn't know what to do. He had a four-game stretch where he went three from 23 from three. That was bad. It was tough to watch. It was difficult. Outside of that four-game stretch, he's shooting over 42% from three. And including that four-game stretch, he's still shooting over 36% or 36% from deep, which is not terrible by any means, despite the narrative, despite the fact that he had this horrid stretch where it was awful. But this offense and Syracuse's ability to win games and succeed is reliant on Joe Girard because as we sit here right now, how many games into the season? What are they, eight and five, 13 games into the season? The losses they have, look at Gerard's performance in those games. Okay? Those are his yeah. down games are when Syracuse is losing. And they're winning games when he plays well. They need him to do it. And we're 13 games in, and there isn't an option two from beyond the arc. So for Syracuse to win, you either need A, Joe Gerard to play a really good game, or B, somebody else needs to learn how to shoot the well, three. So that's what I was going to say is the other point I have is that Chris Bell like should be he done. Might not, he, he might be bad. Like, I don't want to say he is, but he, he might be. I think you're right. He might be like, I, I really don't want it to be true, but he looked like awful. Like I'm he gonna... hit a couple decent shots, but he's over five from three. He looks really like, I mean, yes, he's a freshman. Like, listen, people, don't jump down our throats. Like, obviously, we know he's a freshman. He's got a long way to go, and I'm not giving up on the kid. I'm just no. saying, in a game like this, this was his chance to shine. Uh, and, and you're supposed to be a highly touted recruit. Shoot the three, man. Hit a couple shots, kid. Come I'm gonna on. give my I'm gonna give my Dino Babers as a bad coach thing here for Chris Bell. Okay. He's not shooting the ball well. He can't defend. He can't rebound. He has one really cool dunk. It's like the that's like the Dino Babers post game speech. It's like the Dino Babers post game speech, right? He's got this thing that's really cool, but these three things that are just like oh holding me back, right? What are you doing at this point? What are you doing to say, I should play? And you know what I'm seeing right now? And we've gone this long without talking about it. I'm seeing two guys saying, give me those minutes because it is embarrassing how badly the forwards for Syracuse basketball continue to perform. And I see Go three guard lineup all that the time. Said, let me eat these 13 minutes Quadier, up yesterday and plays an unbelievable game of basketball. I see Malik Brown who played almost 30 minutes yesterday, say, yeah, I'm a spark. I'm a dog. Awesome. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get rebounds. I'm going to block shots. I'm going to score. I am going to do what I can. I am going to hustle. And Beheim talked about that after the game. He has never in his 47 years as a head coach, per him, had players with such an issue with effort and hustle That's so sad and that is what he is describing as the two starting forwards in chris bell and benny williams right now that's embarrassing and it is sad as you just said 
It's just sad. Like, come on, man. Chris Bell doesn't realize how good he's got it right now. Like, he's starting. And 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 Bayheim has been threatening to take his job away, and he hasn't done it. And there's a guy right behind him in Justin Taylor who could take it, but he's not playing well enough to do so. If I'm Bayheim right now, you either run the same lineup and then you change it immediately during the game, or you just run something else. I mean, that three-guard lineup they ran at the end of the game was really good. Quadir, like you yeah. mentioned, was so good. He hit that awesome. three, that very, very clutch three that, that basically put them in the game for real. It was a four, uh, actually. True, it was a four, a four-point play. Um, he was so freaking good. And, and then, like you Incredible. mentioned, Malik Brown played almost 30 minutes in this game. He played 27 minutes. Bell and Benny combined for 26. So he just took their time on the court, and he was good. Want, so yeah, we're in ACC play now. I mentioned this on the pod that I did on Monday. You have to like figure out your rotations now this is not really the kind of time we, we've gotten past the point of testing things out you are now in conference play and these are like every single game is incredibly crucial to the ncaa tournament you really have to figure it out now uh and, and i i think that chris bell's given you your answer in the fact that he is not shooting well he doesn't rebound like owen said he had that really one cool dunk or that one really cool dunk and that was pretty much it um so yeah, it's He's driving it's me nuts. sort of uh it sort of seems like like that that nasty high school relationship that nasty couple that gets into this big screaming match and they hate each other they hate each other and then they come back together like it's gonna work this time yes it is what it feels he's like he's better now and then you're gonna give him another start and then you have this big nasty I hate you I hate you I hate and you and he still lets you break you down. up and then he still like, forgets your anniversary yeah, he's changed. There you go. I like that. He still forgets the anniversary, right? It's it's an issue here. We we've got to see a change. And I, I said I I'm going to be better, but it, he doesn't. He doesn't change. Yeah, and I I look right now, and if this is not a bash at Bayheim by any means, but the only reason that you are playing as many guys as you are right now is because you don't know who should be playing, and quite frankly. I don't know who should be playing. I have ideas. Yeah, neither do I. I think yesterday has changed my narrative a little bit with the minutes and who should be getting what. Um, but really, it is so up in the air. And I, I feel like you know, we have – I'm going to use a dog example because I, I've said dog two or three times. It's like there's a bowl of treats and a group of, we'll say, 12 dogs circled around this bowl of treats. but there's no one guarding it. There's no one saying you can't have these treats, but nobody wants them. But they're just staying there. Like no one is chopping at the bit, right? How often do you see a guy on the bench that like could be playing and should be playing? And I think about it in terms of like high, high level uh, power five college football programs with the backup quarterback, like a five-star guy that really is incredible, just sitting there waiting for that moment where the guy ahead of you leaves or Can't gets hurt it. and you can jump. Yeah. And yeah. And right now you've got this golden opportunity as a Syracuse bench player to jump and, and take advantage of this. And same with some of the starters, right? In, in toss-ups and, and no one is. And last night Malik Brown put up case number three or four for why those minutes should now be his. But here Copeland has not really had a good chance 
uh, in terms of extended minutes in relevant time to show why True. he deserves. He finally jumped at that bowl of treats. Like we're starting to finally get that, but it has taken a while. And that is why you're still seeing 10 guys in uh, when you're seeing players come in and, and put up goose eggs or not really do too much or, or just sort of having wasted shifts. Nowhere yesterday in the stretch where Malik Brown plays a half hour and Kudir Copeland plays the last 10 minutes of this basketball game, did I ask where Benny Williams or Chris Bell were? I didn't even have a thought. And that is saying, I think, everything about how they've been playing right now. Uh, and I, I hate to say it because I'm a big Benny fan. Uh, I, I like – I have nothing against either of them, but I, I just watch – I'm watching these games and, and waiting for them to – you know, you, you have – in my hand, I have $100,000. They're like, no, thanks. Yeah. I don't want it. You're right. You're right. It is getting a little bit infuriating. Um, I do want to make a comment about how I, I have two things to say about how they played in, in the last five minutes. One, I'll start with the positive. Uh, I mean, they showed character. At least they showed the will to fight, and they didn't give up on that game. And they they continued to stay in it, uh, and they made a chance. They had a chance to win it. Um, you know, I don't. I didn't think that they would. You know, to be honest, they were down twenty. I didn't think they were coming back. And they did. So I, I want to be. I want to say that it, it is good that they, um, they showed the will to fight and they stayed in it and they never gave up and they kept going. Now, where was that the whole game? Like, where was that the entire game? They looked terrible for way too long in that game. There and was guess 20% what? Percent it was of exactly. It was exactly what we said it was going to be in terms of the slow start finally caught up with them. You know. They went into the That's half down eight points. That was the Tuesday, our Tuesday episode. The team. Yeah. Our Tuesday they episode, down... we agreed on that. If Syracuse loses this basketball game, it is because a slow start finally caught up to them. That's exactly I what thought, happened. Yeah, I thought, Owen, I had two thoughts about our predictions throughout the game. One, I was like, man, we were wrong. Because <laughs> we both predicted a Syracuse win. And then at the end, I was like, we might be so right. <laughs> we were almost so imagine because right. we oh both picked them to not cover but win. Only <laughs> not only did they not cover but they lost. But we we almost were right. <laughs> I was we pretty nailed about that. I would have been. Oh my fun. god, that was good. Um, I mean, decent predictions out of us, honestly. Yeah, happy about that. I have. <sighs> I know you're brutal. about to wrap. I have a few a few shout outs before we end. Go ahead. Um. I saw a lot of people angry with Adam Weitzman yesterday. Why? Because he's, you know, why are we bringing celebrities to the game when we could be, you know, signing NIL deals? Shout out Adam Weitzman. A game at 9 p.m. where the dome was empty. He shows up with the three biggest names on the Buffalo Bills, arguably. Uh, Shout out him. Shout out number two goes to my man, John Bull, because even though, no, I, this is incredibly genuine and I'm not messing around and I'm not forcing it. He did not play yesterday. It's true. He stood arguably the entire game going nuts on the bench. Every time they scored down 20 or down two, going nuts the entire game. 
He is the presence that you want. He is the guy that you need. He is such a good morale boost on a team that needs some morale boosting and some camaraderie and some, you know, fun and all of that energy. Down that stretch when Syracuse is coming back, Judah Mintz gets destroyed going to the basket. Who helps him up? Not one of the four guys on the court. Not one of the five pit players. John Bull ran from the bench down the baseline to pick up Judah Mintz. <laughs> what is happening? That is just what he's doing. And I, I love that even though he, he had this you know stretch where he's, he's playing 10, 15 minutes, and that's sort of dialed back because Malik Brown is establishing himself as the guy that should get those minutes. His approach, his attitude, his mentality is 100% still intact. And I, I think that is incredible. And really cool to see from a guy that that just likes to bring people up. And that's awesome. Shout out number three. Do I have a bonus shout out? Thousand subscribers. We hit it. Yes. Tag team. We hit it. Thank Good you. for y'all. Thank you. Um, we got what? Ten days for me to fork up a four, maybe five pack of tickets. There's a case. Uh, So we're going to start that conversation. I'm going to throw this out there because I would love it to work this way. I don't know if it will. If anyone knows people that would love to go to a game, but can't necessarily, um, you know, times are tough, whatever it is, can't get there. We would love a suggestion because I would love to let this go to someone who maybe might not be able to get to, you know, games every week or have the ability to do that. So let us know if, if you know of anyone, that would be amazing. If not, we'll do maybe a giveaway, something, a drawing, a like, and subscribe, a retweet, who knows? We'll have some sure. fun, but either way, uh, shout out to y'all for one K. Uh, it's been fun. Let's keep right. Thanks for making lockdown Syracuse. Your first listen every day. Go make the second one. Peter Bukowski, Locked On Sports Today. He's got you covered with everything going on in the sports world. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine. We'll talk to you later.